Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and joining me today is Luke Swikowski. CEO and founder over at Cognitive, a company offering workday consulting and professional support. As one of the founders of Cognitive, Luke understands that going live with Cognitive's new system is just the first step in a long partnership with Workday and its ecosystem. Implementations are fast and furious with work-like reports, dashboards, and knowledge transfer often postponed until after a go-live. Starting Cognitive gave Luke the space to find and implement a consulting model that made sense logistically and validated his theories on its structure while fostering a work culture fueled on collective team success and never-ending support for one another. Luke, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the HR Chat Show today. Pleasure to be here. So beyond my reintroduction there, Luke, why don't you start by telling our listeners all about yourself, your career background, and your role over at Cognitive? Sure. I've been at Cognitive for six and a half years. I am one of the co-founders and CEO of the company. Prior to that, I've been in consulting all my professional life, and that's been about almost 18 years now that I've been in the consulting world, if you will. <laughs> okay, thank you. And uh and, and why cognitive? What, what's what's the mission? What, what was that great spark that uh, that made you and the other co-founders get it going? Sure. So what cognitive does is we help clients that run the Workday HR and financial system. Um, and what makes us unique in the space, if you will, is that the way we deliver our services is totally on demand. And we always wanted to really, you know, try this kind of business model, um, you know, as the co-founders of the company because you know, who wants to pay for services they don't use, right? So um, that's what sort of sparked it. And it's been, you know, success so far. Um, and we are just continue to, you know, expand our services and our reach. And we hope to, you know, continue to grow as we have been in the last six years. You work with HR teams at hundreds of companies every day. What are you seeing in the way of hiring trends right now? It's an extraordinary time. In fact, as we record this interview at the moment in uh, middle-ish of, of July 2022, it's kind of an inflection point because it looks like many countries might be going into recession, but hiring still seems strong in most places and most sectors, although we've seen some news come out recently, some companies are, are freezing hiring. So what are you seeing right now and what, what are the biggest common pain points and how are you helping them overcome those challenges? What we are seeing is it is a little bit contradictory to basically to what maybe you hear in the news with regards to recession. But right now, there seems to be just a lack of talent or there's a really uh, a tightness around the availability of candidates and, and the pool of candidates. And it's almost across the board. I would say it's probably um, more evident in, you know, areas of specialization. So, you know, uh, let's say scientists or or developers um, even at Cognitive itself, um, we're finding that this year has been the most difficult year for recruiting for consultants with any kind of workday background. Um, and you know, in terms of 
you know, how companies are trying to address it, really the only way you can address it is to, you know, increase operational efficiency, right? And to do things around the recruiting process that differentiate you from all the other companies that are trying to go after the same, let's say, small pool, a talent pool of candidates. So having to be, you know, really responsive, um, having candidates have a great, you know, candidate experience and just being, you know, quicker and, and, and faster than others is kind of like a step one. And then step two is you have to be able to offer, you know, something other than just, you know, a job with a salary, right? Um, I think I think candidates are looking for more than that these days. And there are some things that they're not willing to compromise on that maybe they were willing to compromise on three years ago, you know, before the pandemic. Okay, so uh, depending on when this episode goes live com- compared to uh, the other episode I'm just about to speak about, um, uh, this may be fresh news to, to my listeners or not. But um, actually, I very recently interviewed William Tinkup. Uh, many, many of our listeners will be familiar with William Tinkup. He's um, a big influencer in the recruitment tech space, particularly in, in the US and Canada. And I interviewed him for a, a podcast I do in, in, with a UK magazine called uh, HR Review. And um, I mentioned this. Luke, because he said, you know what, Bill, even if we go into some sort of deep recession, although he feels that that's not going to happen, he says things have changed. And even if jobs become scarce, folks' priorities and what they're willing to put up with has has changed um, over the last few years. So they'll still expect lots of amazing benefits. They'll, they'll still expect higher higher salaries, although, of course, that's impacted, of course, by high inflation rates at the moment. But there are these new expectations that just didn't exist Previously, did, would you agree with, with William's statement that even if you know times get tough and and jobs become more scarce, that there's a line that's been drawn now, Luke? Yes, I would say absolutely. Um, for a couple of reasons. So, what the pandemic did to to individuals that, um, let's say, were lucky enough to keep their jobs and kind of live in the remote work world for that period of time, um, I think they realized that you know spending two hours every day in a car just doesn't make much sense, right? That's 10 hours of your life every week that you're giving away, right? For, for some purpose, you're, you're not, obviously not paid for that time, right? It's, it's your, it's your time that's being consumed by your job. And, and for some individuals where they need the flexibility of being able to, let's say, take an hour in the middle of the day to take, you know, let's say a loved one or, or, or their kid or their spouse to an appointment, to a doctor or whatever, um, you can't do that if you're commuting an hour to work every day, right? So um, even from, uh, you know, my personal experience, I think where I count myself lucky is that, you know, both my wife and I, we work full time. Um, and we were lucky in a sense that our jobs could be done in a remote fashion. And because we didn't, you know, we don't have family you know, next to our house that could help, let's say with kids, I have two young kids. And um, when the pandemic hit, you know, schools closed, right? So you had to deal with your kids. You had to, you know, try to, I guess, keep your job. But if your job required you to go somewhere, you couldn't do that. And I think coming out of that, I think people are just not really willing to to sacrifice that anymore, right? It, it's too big of a price to pay. And, and um, maybe for some individuals, it's still okay. But I would say for a lot of individuals, it's no longer okay. And I think where we'll end up um, at the end of the day, in terms of kind of this new world, is I think we'll end up in some kind of hybrid model. I don't really believe that 
in workers or, or, or um, you know, em employees of employers want to be in front of a screen on Zoom calls every day with all of their colleagues and never see them in person. I don't think that's how people are wired. I don't think that's, you know, even human nature to a certain extent. But um, I don't think they want to be in the office five days a week either, right? So I think it'll be something in the middle. And where that ends up shaking out ultimately, it'll depend. Okay, just a quick follow-up to my follow-up then, Luke. Um, that, that, that shakeout that you, that you uh, just spoke of, does that mean then perhaps a reduction in the, the widened talent pool? You know, if, if there's going to be an expectation from, from leaders and maybe a want from employees to, to have some time in the office, sometime uh, in person. But does that mean then that what we saw over the pandemic where companies perhaps reached out further to, to different uh, geographies, um, that'll, that'll be pulled back in because there'll be, there'll be a need for folk who can physically attend events, office meetings and, and so forth? I think it will be a balancing act. I mean, one thing's for sure, if, if, if your job doesn't require you to be in the office, and your employer demands that you're in the office, even though your job really doesn't require you to be there, it's not a job-specific function to be in the office, and they insist on it, they will lose out on that talent. I don't think that talent will, the talent pool will, will shrink. It'll shrink for companies that are unwilling to compromise on, you know, kind of remote hybrid work versus just being in the office every day. For jobs that do require people to be in the office, because you know some jobs you have to you know be physically somewhere to do the job, um, I think for for those jobs, I think you know I think employers might have to end up paying a premium a little bit or or paying more if if the talent pool shrinks because people don't want to do that job because it does require them to be in the office. Um, but I think a lot of let's say policies that that companies are, are pressing where you have to be in the office and, and therefore they lose out on talent. You know, I think that's to a certain extent, a self-inflicted wound, right? Because um, I mean, if you look at cognitive, our company, we've been remote from day one. So we never wanted geography to be a barrier for talent. So we're in 32 States. We're actually in like four different countries now where we have employees and um we never forced people to go to an office. We have an office uh, also, but we never operate that way. Now, granted, our business can be done in a fully remote fashion. So maybe that makes us unique in that regard. Um, but, you know, I, I think companies need to really look at themselves, um, let's say, in the mirror a little bit and, you know, figure out, okay, is it is, is the demand of, of being in an office worth the risk of losing out on talent? Thank you very much. So in, in a time when it's hard to engage top talent, it's hard to find any talent indeed in, in, in some uh, job functions, some industries. How does the interview process play into one's talent acquisition strategy? I think it's critical because, you know, first impressions are everything, right? And, uh, and I would couple the interview process along with the onboarding process as two processes that need to be executed well and they need to make the candidate feel like that, you know, they were well thought out, thought out of as far as the processes are concerned. And it really causes the candidate to be engaged in the process. Um, because if you don't do that, you know, let's say, you know, because talent is scarce, right? A person might be applying to five different positions across five different companies. If let's say the positions are all equal and the job is more or less the same between all those companies that this person wants to do, 
the company that's going to make the best initial impression is probably going to have an edge in the overall um, prospects of, of of being able to hire that individual. So I think it, I think it's definitely you know critical. Um, in fact, you know, at Cognitive, we've we've built a product called Rooster that actually helps with interview scheduling because in, in many organizations it's a hundred percent manual process. It's um, not a great candidate experience, you know, emailing back and forth with a recruiter to set a time, you know, for a panel interview or whatever, and uh, streamlining that and 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 making that much more pleasing to not just you know even the candidate but the recruiter themselves or the scheduler. I think is really, really important. And so, you know, that's, you can look at, um, you know, companies and the way they do things and, you know, the, the, your, let's say your, your company persona or how you're perceived by, you know, let's say the outside world, it really begins at the candidate process level. It, it doesn't begin once an employee's hired. You're already, you know, some percentage down, down the path. So I think that's absolutely critical. We could go down the line of talking about how much time that frees up for your people to do other things, but just in terms of getting back to that candidate, uh, get, getting getting at them and engaging them when when they're still interested, uh, which you know, uh, depending on the the type of job, depending on the the aptitude of the person, it could be a matter of minutes, it could be a few hours, it could be you know within a day or something. But I'm guessing that's that's a key key benefit. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely, and and it's actually it it benefits both sides of the house. It's like a, a mutual benefit because if you can respond to a candidate faster, you know, get them interviewed faster, get them engaged faster, your time to fill as a, you know, talent team is going to re- reduce and drop. So you're going to get the candidate in the door working much more quickly. And, and you know, if you reduce time to fill by any significant percentage amount, that's, you know, a huge win for the company, right? Um, because if they need workers that are not doing work, which which let's say drives sales or revenue, and they can get them in faster, then that's just that's just great. The candidate feels better about the process. The company feels feels better because they're getting candidates in the door much more quickly. They're getting started on work much more quickly. So it's just a huge win-win. So in, in that res- respect, for companies that don't adopt some kind of let's say meaningful not even process automation, but just really an examination of the efficiency of their processes in this regard, um, they're going to, you know, continue to pay, um, you know, a, a pretty steep price for, for their candidates in the, in, in the sense that they'll have to interview more candidates before they get someone because somebody else will do it more quickly. And if their time to fill is, let's say, you know, 30% or 50% higher than their competition, then, you know, that's, that's an additional cost, an internal cost to that process. So I totally agree with you there. Okay. And then just looking at it from a slightly uh, different angle uh, in, in terms of reputation management, in terms of uh, what that employer brand stands for, what, what those perceptions are of, of an employer brand, how does the hiring process uh, affect or how how is the hiring process a big factor in in candidates' perception of an employer brand when they're going through a process? And indeed, gen- more generally speaking, if there's a bad uh, talent attraction uh, process in place, the technology is not there to support getting the right people in 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 the right amount of time. Um, what what are the longer term negative con- consequences for a company that wants to grow quickly, for example? So I I think it's absolutely um, essential that 
because the interview process is sort of the baseline of maybe expectations that the candidate will then have of their future employer, right? So if let's say you, um, so Cognitive, for example, we really believe in promoting from within, right? So we take, we look at everybody within the company, if they can fulfill an internal function um, or be promoted into a function, we're going to always do that versus hiring somebody from the outside. And we communicate that to the candidates, right? We say like, look, if you join and you do a good job and you really engage in work, the opportunities will be presented to you before we look for another candidate from the outside to, you know, come in and like, let's say, be your manager or your director, right? It's, it's all going to be people built internally within the company. And I think it's really important to set that tone early on in the process because that will drive, to your point, sort of the reputation and the, you know, what gets talked about your company by others outside the company, right? And and you want to be known for like, okay, this company is really fair. Um, they, you know, do promote from within. They really give you all the opportunities in the world to succeed. And, you know, they stand by that, right? And and, and it can be proven that they've done so in the past. So that's, that's absolutely, you know, essential um, to be able to kind of put forth put forward that to the candidate because, you know, candidates talk to each other, right? If they have a really bad candidate experience or bad interview process, or let's say they were sold, um, you know, on one idea just to get them in the door and it ends up being a different story. Once they get in the door, they end up leaving. Uh, we've seen that, right? Um, we've seen that at, at uh, you know, other companies. Um, and, you know, I can maybe in, in my past um, experiences at previous companies that I worked at, there, there was there was definitely whenever there was a miscommunication between what you're coming here to do versus what you end up doing, um, that's when you can get in trouble, and I think that can that leads to attrition risk. And if you are scaling at a at a fast pace, you know, in terms of you know high growth and those types of things, I think you need to get even tighter around your processes and make sure that you are communicating to all of those candidates in the exact same way. So, you know, having some kind of automated solution where, you know, maybe it's it's personal yet parts of it are still template driven where you can, you know, make sure that every candidate gets the same exact information. Nobody gets a, a different set of uh, information pieces from, from one recruiter or coordinator to another. Uh, I think that becomes, uh, you know, really, really important um, to make sure that they're all on the same page. I want to pick up on one thing that you mentioned there in your answer. Uh, you, you mentioned that when possible, uh, Cognitive likes to hire from within. Why, why is that? Is that because culture fit is really tough? Like true culture fit is really tough. And and also, frankly, finding candidates, or sorry, employees who will stick around for the longer term, be loyal, grow with the company. That's a lot, a lot more rare than it was a few years ago. Is, is that pretty much why? I would say that's a good, good summary. I think it's... Um... So, so finding candidates is, is hard enough, right? And I think not looking internally for people to fill critical positions, I think companies just do themselves a disservice, frankly, because um, there may be very capable people internally, and if you're not evaluating them, I think you're missing out. And and the byproduct of that, I think, to your point, is, is twofold. So it definitely impacts culture, because if you keep hiring people over the top of other people, and those people maybe wanted had career aspirations or they wanted to have a chance in, in progressing their career. And they just see, let's say, outsiders being hired kind of on top of the organization. 
that's not a good, you know, that's that's not conducive to a great career uh, or or uh, conducive to an employee feeling like, oh, my prospects here are great. Um, they might think of it as like, well, my, I don't, I'm kind of questioning my prospects here because I feel like I could perform some of these higher level roles, but I don't even get a chance to be evaluated for them. And, and the next thing I know, somebody's hired to fulfill those roles, right? And um, and you know, the the benefit of of running a company where you do promote from within, obviously, is is longevity in terms of how long employees. Uh, stay. I think that's really, really important. But you have to keep them engaged from a career perspective, right? And and some people are happy to just be in 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 one position for a long period of time. Some people, you know, do have aspirations and and they have ambitions as far as their career is concerned. And if they're actually doing a good job, I think it's 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 beneficial to give them that opportunity. Um, if you're not, then it, it's especially if they're a top performer, it's so difficult to replace those types of individuals uh, that, it, you know, I, I see it as just, you know, something that that's, as far as cognitive is concerned, we see it as like, you know, a must do, not like, oh, we like to do this because it gives us some kind of inherent benefit. I think it's just, you know, part of how we're wired. So it sounds like a comprehensive funnel can be a huge benefit for acquiring the best talent to, to move your team forward. But how can HR tech backfire if not implemented or managed properly? I think what you want to make sure when, when you are implementing various HR technologies that you don't discount the human factor, right? Don't discount the, the people factor because this is human nature, right? So humans love silver bullet solutions, right? We have a talent problem. If we just buy this super smart AI thing or whatever there's a lot of you know talent ai services out there and, and software packages if we just do that then it'll solve all of our problems um, and i think it can backfire if if let's say a technology is implemented incorrectly or um, maybe you know a company selects a technology and then realizes you know what this is not going to fit but since we already bought it we're going to work with it anyway even though to our to our detriment um, I think that can definitely, you know, even set you backwards to a certain extent. Um, so I, we've always believed in terms of technology, uh, technology adoption, and just the way to embrace technology is, I would look at it as taking very small but very iterative steps as a company to get there. So, you know, doing you know a three-year big bang projects to transform talent you know from the very top to the very bottom that is a very ambitious type of project and a lot can change in three years um i would recommend uh, the approach of just taking small steps and addressing certain aspects of let's say the, the talent pipeline um or you know the, the funnel issues or whatever the the problem of the day is for a given company and because what happens every time you address a, an issue, whether it's through technology or a combination of technology and process, is that you, you learn something, you, you get informed, you become more informed as a company. And then maybe your next decision will be slightly different because what happened in the first step. And, and trying to, you know, kind of predict all the permutations and all the situations all ahead of time. And I'm talking about, you know, in the context of, of doing like a big bang project or a huge transformation all at once, um, that's 
almost you know it's a, that's an extremely difficult task, an extremely difficult uh, thing to pull off. Um, and so, um, because you know, in general, people are not really great at predicting the future. They, they uh, you know, uh, but they're really good at observing. I think so. When you take these small iterative steps, and you see like, wow, we did this, and, and look, look how it impacted our whole process. So maybe, you know. The second part of our process, we don't need so much because of this of this change that we made. And we made it quickly, and it's easily adopted, and um, we're already seeing efficiencies uh, from it. So now let's kind of regroup and, and ask ourselves, what is the next step in, in our in our journey? Okay, wonderful. We are almost at the end of this interview already, and my goodness me, I've taken you all over the place today, Luke. Uh, no problem. It's been a good conversation. Very helpful. <laughs> Before we do wrap up, though, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe you want to share your email address, your LinkedIn. Maybe you're super cool and you're all over Instagram and TikTok and places. Also, how can they learn more about all the cool things happening over at Cognitive? You can, you know, reach me at Luke at CognitiveInc.com. That's K-O-G-N-I-T-I-V-I-N-C.com. Uh, you can also go to Cognitive Inc. to to look at if you are in the workday world and you want to look at some really cool blog content and how to kind of do things on your own, um, that's certainly there. And then also, if you are curious about interview scheduling and making that more efficient, uh, I would direct you to our product website. It's called rooster.us, like like the bird. Um, and so uh, there you'll find all kinds of information of how you can use Rooster in the context of Workday and Workday recruiting specifically to really you know, take interview scheduling to the next level. Amazing. Thank you very much. And of course, there will be links in the show notes and in the associated post on the HR Gazette listeners as always. So you can find out more information about Rooster and about Cognitive and about Luke right there. Um, well, that just leaves me to say for today, Luke, thank you so much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.